I am Bertie Briss and I would like to welcome you to this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. Every Sunday we've got our live broadcast and it's a privilege for me to have you in our meeting today. To have you in our church meeting, hallelujah, where people, believers from all over the world gather around computers listening to the message of grace. What they're actually doing is gathering around the message of God's unconditional love, God's unconditional mercy and God's unconditional grace. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to know that the way God functions is out of who He is and not out of what we do for Him. This power of God's unconditional love brings forth great fruit in the lives of believers. I would like to read a scripture in Second Peter and then we're going to just open up with prayer and um, do some announcements, get into the worship and get right into the Word of God. Now, Second Peter, chapter 1, it says from verse 3, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing that we see here is that Peter writes and he says that he wants grace and peace to be multiplied to us. We don't want fear and judgment to be multiplied to us. So many times we think that the multiplication of fear and judgment is going to produce holiness in the lives of people. But if you go and read the book, Revelations, you will see every time that judgment was poured out on the earth, nobody repented. They just shook their fist to God and cursed God. Judgment and punishment does not produce holiness. We must realize that the Word of God is what produces holiness. In, um, I think it's John chapter 15, Jesus speaks about the... um, the vine dresser or the, the husbandman that goes and he's got a vineyard and the only way that the branches will bear fruit is if it's pruned or cleansed. And so many times we think that God cleanses us and prunes us by putting us through hard times. But if we read in John 15 verse 3, it says, By my word I've cleansed you and you are now clean and ready to bear fruit. The only way we can bear fruit, the only way that we can live Um, the God life in this world is by a multiplication of the Word of God. By hearing more of God's Word. Now, the Word of God is called God Himself. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Then in John chapter 117 it says, and He became flesh and dwelt among us. I think that's verse 14. It says, He became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of this word, or the splendor of this word, and the splendor of this word was grace and truth. So, the more we hear the word, the word of grace, the more we'll find fruit in our lives. And this is what Peter prayed, and this is what Peter wrote to the... um, to, to the people that he addressed this letter to. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the more we know about God and the more we, know, more we know about Jesus Christ, the more we'll find a multiplication of God's influence in our lives. And I want to read it another way. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. So, if we want knowledge about God, we must also have knowledge about what God knows. And if you've got knowledge about what God knows, you will have knowledge about the truth about your sin. You'll have knowledge about the truth about about the truth about your holiness. Because the truth about your righteousness is that you've been made the righteousness of God. The truth about your holiness is that we are a 
of God's holy temple where He dwells. The truth about our um, purity before God is that we are washed by the Word and that we are clean. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, it says here, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness. So, God's divine power, which is His grace, has given us everything that pertains to this life and unto godliness. He's given us everything that pertains to life, life in this world and eternal life and godliness. All of that was given by the power of God. So many times we think that God does not give us things pertaining to this life. We must work hard for it and we must try to push through to get it. And we also think that things pertaining to godliness comes out of our own efforts. The harder we try, the more holy we live, the holier we will see we are and that's how we will get our holiness. Now, but that's not the truth. Holiness and righteousness comes from grace. Hallelujah. His divine power. Now, um, let's read verse 3 again. It says, According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue or life, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust or through desire. So what he's saying there, and this is just the opening scripture for today's web church, is that by a multiplication of grace, through experiencing His divine influence, His power, has been given unto us all things that pertain to this life and unto godliness. Hallelujah. And it says also that um, in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That great and precious promises was given to us by Jesus, that we, and by God, that we through these promises might be partakers of the divine nature because we've escaped this thing in the world which is also in the church that is desire, desire, desire. The moment your desire can be fulfilled in what Jesus done for you, you'll find fullness of life in what He has given unto you. Now, it says here that we might be partakers of the divine nature in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14 to 19. It says that um, and chapter 4, it says that the fullness of God will be experienced by understanding the correct teaching and the correct doctrine about grace and God's unconditional love. Hallelujah. And that's what God has got for us. So let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching me today. Holy Spirit, thank you that I can preach your grace to people. Thank you that I can minister from who you are and not from my own human efforts but that today I can stand holy before you and holy before these people in Jesus and that I can minister life to them. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to say this from the depth of my being and I know this is just the Spirit of God speaking through me. I want to say that you are special to God. You are special to Him. He loves you. He cares for you. And everything in your life, everything that you've done, everything you do, He will use to the best so that you can know that you are loved by God and that He cares for you. All those things that we don't understand and can't puzzle out, and that people for years and decades couldn't understand, let's not put our efforts in trying to understand those things. Let's take our mind and put it in a certain place and say, I'm going to study the Word of God and I'm going to start to believe that God is a good God. 
Because God is a good God. And everything that makes him look bad, all the turmoil in the world, all the fighting, all the hurricanes and storms and bombings and all those type of things, does not come from God. So many times we might say, Yeah, God doesn't come from you, but surely you're not stopping it. And out of our ignorance, we start to argue and think about things. And um, because we don't have all the facts, because we don't have all the truth about it. I do believe that when God made man, He made this world perfect. He made man perfect. He placed him in the garden of Eden, not in the bush, in the garden. You know, there's a difference between the garden of Eden and the bush. The bush is just a place where you struggle, man. And out of the bush, you must make a garden so that you can live in peace. And God came and He planted a garden eastwards of Eden. And there, He placed Adam and Eve in a safe place where they were protected. Hallelujah. And all they had to do is walk in the freedom that He has given them and not to be enslaved under rules and regulations and knowledge of good and evil and all of that. All they had to do is just believe on Him and then He would sustain everything and they would, He would rule through them. You know, um, uh, I, in a, there was, there's a book I'm busy reading called The Shack. And if you, um, if you want to buy a good book, you can get a hold of this. I'm sure on, on the internet you'll get a hold of this. It's called The Shack. It's just such a powerful, powerful book speaking about God's unconditional love. And in this book, this guy had an encounter with God and God said something to him. He said, you know, if I didn't create people, I couldn't be a God of love. Because love is something that must manifest. Love is something that must be shown. You know, if I am a person that loves to help people, if there's not somebody that I can help, how will I show my help? In the same way God made man so that we could be the object of His love. That we could be the recipients of His love. That's why we've been created to receive His love. We have not been created to be servants of God. We've not been created to be enslaved to God. We've not been created to serve God and be His um, ambassadors and all those type of things. Although the Bible says that Paul was an ambassador uh, of Jesus Christ, that was not the main purpose of, uh, of God creating, creating us. Now, we might be many other things as well, but the main purpose, I believe, that God created us for is so that we could be loved by Him, so that we could be blessed by Him, so that we could be cared for by Him, so that other people and beings in this world could experience what it is to have the fullness of God and to live as God. Now, we aren't God, but God lives in us and we can experience the fullness of God. The Bible says in Colossians that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily and we have this fullness in us, in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that so, so awesome? Amen. So, when you read the Bible, read it from a perspective of seeing God's unconditional love. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I just want to make this announcement and I've also made this last Sunday. We are busy planning and getting everything together for our own internet TV station. Now, we are not going to broadcast on satellite, normal television. We call it an internet TV station because it will look exactly the same as a television station. The only thing is the signal will only be aired via the internet and only be able to see it on computers. I know that there are um, decoders these days that can get signal from the internet and show it on television. Um, but, but that's not the main focus. If you've got that in the facility, um, you've got that facility, you can make use of that. Man, awesome. But we want to start a station where people can 24-7 watch grace-based messages. And God is bringing me in connection with people and preachers of the gospel 
that is preaching this message of grace and people are receiving this um, invitation to start a broadcast with open hearts. So, if you want to pray about something, you can just pray about this, just speak over this with a faith that you have, believe together with us. Not that God will answer the prayer um, because many people believe, but if you are part of Web Church and you want to know where we are going and what our plan is and what the vision is, we are busy starting our own internet television station. I'm very excited about that. Another thing that I'm also excited about is our five-minute Bible school. The five-minute Bible school will be available in, on the internet soon. I guess in a week or two you will have the first subject. If we can just get the programmer to come and uh, help us to get this stuff on the web. Because there's some programming, some databases that needs to be programmed into our website. But I do believe that all that's going to be sorted out in this week to come. And the moment we start to uh, do that, we'll get people to enroll into this Bible school and they can have a five-minute message where I speak in depth in five minutes about a certain topic. Then we'll give them a study notes which they can go and study out and answer some of the questions that we've placed there. And then from there, they email it back to us and we correspond. And in, in this Bible school, I want to call this Bible school a relationship Bible school where there's a relationship between us and the people that's enrolled in this Bible school. I do believe that many people will be impacted and touched through this. It will also be available on DVD for people to use in their cell groups, because this is awesome. You can listen to a five-minute study, on, or a five-minute sermon on the unconditional love of God. Then you have three or four scriptures that people in the cell group can read and study out. And as a cell group, you can enroll into this Bible school and um, people can be equipped through that. And I believe after a year of this Bible school, you'll be so firmly established in the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace that you'll be able to start your own church. You'll be able to forget about even ministry. You will be able to walk and have a life that's established in who God is. Number one is not what we do for God. The number one thing is our relationship with God. You'll have a healthy grace-based relationship with God. And out of that, you'll experience a flow of the power of the Holy Spirit like you can't believe. Hallelujah. So, just look out for uh, the web church. and uh, Not the web church, sorry for that. Look out for the five-minute Bible school on the website under Wordwell. We'll find it there. And I'm sure we're going to put a button on the homepage as well for the five-minute Bible school. And that is going to be awesome. So if you want to be part of that, you are more than welcome. Hallelujah. Now we're going to go over to worship now. When we worship, and I've said it many times, and this is a wonderful thing, this the revelation that I saw in the Word of God, one of the words for worship is the Greek word proskuneo, which means to lick the hand of a master, like a dog licking the hand of a master. So when we worship God, we take His hand or His works and we put it on our mouth. And that is true worship to God. Worship is not something that says, um, or New Testament worship. New Testament worship is not something where we beg and plead God to do something for us. New Testament worship is where we place His finished work and what He's already done for us in our mouths and we can sing it to God. As I'm talking now about Jesus, I'm already worshipping Him. Uh, worship is also to think and to ponder and to meditate upon. So worship is really thinking and pondering on what Jesus has done for you. And that is true worship. The Bible says in, in John 4, it says that the Father is seeking worshippers to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He calls them truth worshippers or true worshippers. 
So many, people, so many times people don't worship in truth. They don't worship in Jesus, in what He's done. But they worship in the law and what they must do for God and what they still want God to do for them. And that is not true worship. True worship comes from a true heart and out of the revelation of what Jesus has done for them. So, let's enjoy this worship and after the worship we're going to get right into the Word of God. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful song. Just to think of the redemption plan of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Father and how He just made everything manifest in this world so that we can freely have righteousness, that God can come and live in us. You know, so many times we think that we must do the things Jesus has done when He walked this earth. And that is not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to try and copy Jesus in what He's done according to the law and according to all the sacrifices and those type of things. No. All that we must do is just open our hearts, believe in Jesus, let the Holy Spirit come and indwell us, and then Christ will live in us. Jesus will live in us. So that we will not be living ourselves, but Him who called us. Amen. And that is the, um, that's the simplicity of the Gospel. That's how easy it is to be saved. That's how easy it is to walk in holiness and in righteousness before God. Amen. Now we've been studying righteousness for the last couple of weeks. It can be five Sundays, four or five Sundays. And we've received great revelation on this. And as you go through this and go through this again, go into the archive and listen to this again and again. And as you listen to this and meditate upon this, you'll start to see how righteousness start to manifest in your life and how effortless change really manifests in your life. Because it's not by our efforts, it's not by what we do for God that we will change, but it is through what He's done for us and by what He's doing in our lives today. Amen. Now, I want to speak just a little bit on finances. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. Now, in Afrikaans, it's so beautiful. It says, now what that means is the blessing of the Lord makes rich and hard labor and you putting in an effort is not going to add anything to that blessing. Hallelujah. That is so good. You can know that the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for you is enough so that you can be prosperous in this world. You don't need to go and add something to it. If I just do these ten spiritual principles, then God's going to bless me. Don't try to add to the cross. Anything that you add to the cross just adds plagues and curses to you. That's what the Bible says. If you add to the word of prophecy written in, um, in Revelations, it was a revelation of Jesus Christ. If you add to the revelation of Jesus Christ, if you add to what He revealed to us, if He revealed to us prosperity by grace, and we add a law to that, plagues and curses are added to us through the law. Because cursed is everyone that's under the law. Not by God. God's not going to add a curse to you. God's not going to add um, poverty to you. But you adding that to yourself. And if, even if you are blessed financially through your principles and your rules. It can never be compared to the peace you're going to have in Jesus by resting your mind in the cross. All that you will have is money. You're not going to have the peace of God. You might think that you're going to have the peace of God. And we're going to look at a scripture um, in Matthew 18 today where a man came and, and I mean when he prayed to God he thought that he was righteous before God. He thought that God was so pleased with him. But God wasn't. 
because he was standing in his own righteousness. So when it comes to finances, I want to tell you this, the same peace that you can have when it comes to salvation, the same peace that you can have when you know, for sure if I die today, I will go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That same peace you can have in your financial prosperity. The same peace you can have in your future when it comes to money and your children and everything that must happen. It is simple. It was by what Jesus Christ has done for you. Hallelujah. And giving is simply an outflow of gratitude. That's why we give. That's why we give in Web Church. That's why you give in, if you're not from Web Church, from another church. And uh, that's why you're supposed to give in your church. Out of gratitude, not out of fear. God loves cheerful giving and not fearful giving. If we can have cheerfulness and joy in our hearts because we know all our needs has already been met and we happily give because we want to just see the work of God advancing. We want to bless the man that preached the word of God and we want to help the poor or whatever. If we do that joyfully, that is what God wants to see in our lives. But if we do it out of fear, fear that we're not going to have, fear that we're not going to prosper, fear that God's blessing will not rest upon us, and God is, doesn't have joy in that. Always take your relationship um, between you and God back to between a father and his children. And then you must also be careful in that because remember, God is a million times better than a normal earthly father. God did that. He said, if you that are evil know how to give good gifts or good things to your children, how much more will he not give to us? How much more will He not be good to us and give us the Holy Spirit, His very nature and His very being, and then act to us accordingly? Now, um, if you look at the relationship between a, a parents and their children, I'm talking about loving parents, you will find that, that those children does not have to do a million things before the parents will do something for their child. It's in the nature of the parent to provide for his children. It's in the nature of a father to see that his children are cared for. If my children must go to university, it's in my nature to get him a flat, to, to see that he's got a, or a place to stay, see that he's got a car, see that he's got everything that he needs in order to go and study, and to study in comfort. Amen. That's what we want. We don't want, I don't want him to go out there, be afraid, you know, should I ask my father for money or shouldn't I? I don't want him to have a fear relationship with me when it comes to things. I want him to know that I want to provide for him. I want him also to be satisfied with what was given and to be content. Um, but I don't want him to be afraid. I don't want him to come and say, you know, Dad, I've tithed that church and I've given everything to church. Can't you help me out here? Uh, making tithing and giving the law that must be obeyed in order for me to be a father to him. I'm not going to base um, my fatherhood on his obedience to rules and regulations. And if I'm not going to do that, how much more God? God is not going to base who he is on our ability to obey commandments. So I want to say this to you. You can know that you can be prosperous through the cross. Now, the only thing about this is that it manifests through faith. That means you need to have faith in God and believe that God is a type of God that I've just been talking about. That He's a good God. That He's a God that will bless you free from you obeying rules and regulations. You know, Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. 
He is the end of the law for righteousness. Now, so many times people say, you know, you can't mix the law for righteousness with the law of sowing and reaping and tithing. Now, um, sowing and reaping and tithing was simply a law that you had to obey in order to stand righteous before God so that you could be justified in your finances or blessed in your finances. That's all. That's just that part of the law. We can't say, well, tithing is not part of the law for righteousness. It is part of the law for righteousness because how will you stand righteous before God or ready to be blessed before God without obeying certain rules in the Old Testament? So, remember this. Jesus Christ was the end of the law for you standing righteous before God to be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to just testify and I want to say this. Okay, number one, I want to say thank you to everybody that has been donating money into our account. You know, going onto the web and donating money. Thank you for that and God bless you. Um, God has blessed you. That's why you do this. And I know that God's blessing rests upon you and that He meets your needs according to His riches in glory and not according to the giving that you've given to Web Church. Because you might have given a lot, you might have given just a little. It doesn't matter to God. Because the way He blesses you is according to His riches in glory, not according to your money in our bank account. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, can you believe it? I forgot what I want to say about that. But thank you anyway for the way you, you've been giving. And if you give, when you give, you give from a heart and a platform that says, My God, I thank you for what you have given me and I thank you for your love for me and I thank you that I've got love for the work of God. I've got love for the, the ministry and what God does. Amen. And that's why we give out of a heart of an overflow, out of a heart that says, God has already met my need. I've already qualified. I'm already righteous before God through what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ is the end of the law for you to qualify to be blessed. Amen. So never let anybody tell you, you are qualified to go into heaven, but you're not qualified to prosper financially. You are qualified to prosper financially through the obedience of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And what the enemy would like to do is to steal um, your peace by stealing Jesus' sacrifice out of finances. And don't let the enemy steal that. Resist the devil. Resist Satan's word. Satan's word is the word that says you can become by what you do. Resist that word. Come to a place where you say, I've qualified and I believe it from the depths of my heart. And this only manifests, and this is what I want to say, this only manifests through you believing it. And if you don't hear a word that says, I am righteous by what Jesus has done, you will not be able to believe it and then you will not be able to see the manifestation of that righteousness called justification in your life. Hallelujah. So, whenever you give, you give out of the perspective of, I'm already blessed. And out of the perspective of, this giving has got nothing to do with my prosperity. Amen. And that is the Bible. That is the Word of God. Any other teaching concerning finances? This is nice. I can say this in Web Church. This is church. This is where I can come and teach the people that decide to slot into this out of the depths of my heart and out of the revelation God's given me. Any other teaching that says you must do in order to be blessed of God, and I want to say it straight out, it is not of God. It's not of God. It's of Moses. It is of the law. Yes, it's in the Bible, but it's not the Word of God. 
The Word of God is Jesus manifested. And anything you look into the Word of God, if you look into finances, you must go and ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one is, how does what I want to say about money relate to the obedience, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And how does it uh, um, relate to Him becoming a human being? How does it relate to that? How does it correspond to Jesus and what is done for me? So if you want to say, you must tithe to be blessed and you must pay your tithes, otherwise you're under a curse, okay, that's fine. But how does that correlate with the cross? How's that going to be in harmony with Jesus that became a curse for us? How's that going to be in harmony with Jesus becoming poor so that we through His poverty might be made rich through faith? Now, you see, the moment you want to preach tithing the old way, you must deny the cross of Jesus Christ in that area. And that's why there's so much stress in the church when it comes to money. That's why there's so much worries about finances. That's why there's so much fighting in the church about finances. Because there is no grace in the lives of most people when it comes to money. Because you must remember, grace is only for the humble. Grace is not for everybody. The Bible says the grace of God has appeared unto all men. But the Bible says God gives that grace to the humble. Humble meaning those who agree with God. So only when you agree with God, only when you come to a place where you say, I hear what you are saying God, that you were rich and you became poor, so we through your poverty might be made rich. I hear what you are saying and I agree with you. The moment you say, I agree, and I rest my mind in what you've done for me, so my financial stability is all in what you've done, and I'm not going to stress about it, because I can hear what you say, and what you say is producing faith in my heart to the point that I find my mind at peace when it comes to money. Man, when you, when you get to that point, let me tell you, you will find the manifestation, you will find grace operating in your life. But before that, before you can simply hear what Jesus says and agree from the depths of your heart, just saying, I agree, it's not by my works. Before that day, you will live by the law. Now the Bible says that those that do the law must live by the law. Or those that does the law, they will live by the law. That means you must do the law and out of that you're going to find your life. So don't say, well, I'm living, I'm living. And... Um, and thinking it's grace. It might be the law. Now, I don't want to say that to confuse you. I want to say that so that you can know that um, there's a better way. There's a way of rest. There's a way of peace. Amen. And I want to testify and say this. You know, we've stopped to broadcast on Spirit Word Channel. Now, um, there was many people watching our broadcast on the Spirit Word Channel. And uh, when we decided to stop to broadcast there, definitely we had less... Uh, uh, emails, less SMSs coming to our office, less people ordering um, CDs. Um, not that people aren't downloading our messages. We get at least, if I must guess, a thousand downloads of audio or video messages combined together from the internet um, on a monthly basis. So people are really making use of our website. But because we've stopped, of course we will see a little bit of a, a downwards motion in people slotting into the um, into or making use of the ministry. But the finances went up. Money went up. We didn't go down financially. 
we got the money that we, that we used to give to the channel to broadcast on, plus what we gave, uh, what we paid doubled. People started to bless us more. So, our financial prosperity is not connected to what we do. If I stop today to preach the gospel and go and live in a, on an island and just say, well, I'm going to just have a little job there and I'm going to live there. Do you know what? I'm still going to be blessed. I'm not blessed by what I do for God. We are blessed through what Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And like I said, we are starting our own internet television station. I know then we will have a lot of people slotting in. So, this is just a time, this is just a a temporary uh, that is going down a bit. But this also gives us a good time to plan everything, good time to go through everything. What's nice about um, grace is that we don't have to feel guilty about this. We can sit and rest in the finished work of God. Because God is not keeping score and saying, oh yeah, you know, this, this month, this ministry has touched 5,000 people and, and the previous month has touched 8,000. Oh, what's going on? You know, angels just put on the pressure a little bit there. Let's take away some of the money because, you know, when you touch a preacher's money, then it touches his heart. That's, <laughs> that's not the way God is. When God looks at us, He looks at our relationship with Him. He looks at um, our, the love between... Let me, let me use me as an example. He will look at the love that there is between me and Him. He will look at, am I receiving grace? Am I allowing Him just to be good to me? Am I allowing God to be Himself around me? Am I willing to just hear His unconditional love? Or am I bearing the law? God's heart is for us to be in relationship with Him. That's His heart. His heart is not to see what we must do for Him. You know, when we started this ministry, we didn't start this out of a commandment. I didn't start this ministry saying, um, you know, when we registered this in 2000, I think it was 2001, when we registered this ministry, we didn't do this out of a commandment, God saying, you must start the ministry. We did this because we want to. That's why. That's the only reason. If somebody comes and works in my ministry because he wants to, I can't boss him around. Because he wants to. It's out of his free will. And it's the same thing with God. We didn't do this out of a commandment. We do this because we want to. Hallelujah. And then we've got a relationship. So if I today want to preach here, I preach. If I don't want to preach here next Sunday, I don't have to. I'm under no obligation. But the nature of God in me can't stop me to do this. For I love people. For I love to preach the gospel. I love to share the gospel. And that is the fruit of righteousness. That is the fruit of having a loving relationship with God. It's not about what I do for God. This I do with God. This I do having God as my friend saying, Well God, you know what's wonderful today? I'm so excited because what is bringing me so much joy, we're going to share that with people today. And we're going to see them established. I'm not working for God. I'm working with God. Hallelujah. We're in partnership together. I'm part of Him and His ministry. And He's part of me. And we do this together. Hallelujah. And that takes away obligation. That takes away fear. You know, as long as what you think that you're obligated to God, you'll have fear in your heart. As long as what you think God's expecting stuff from you, you'll have fear in your heart and you will walk with condemnation. If you can come to a place where you know God is not expecting 
anything from you. Sometimes you, if you think God doesn't expect anything from you, simply but to hear His Word and let His Word work in you, not, He's not expecting you to, you must pray. He's not expecting you to go and testify. He's not expecting you to go and do things for Him. If you think that He expects those things from you, you will walk in condemnation and judgment because you will feel that He is not pleased with you because there will be times when you don't do those things. But what is nice is, I know God's not expecting me to do those things. But all I know is that um, God has got an expectation on His Word. That means, when He speaks His Word of grace towards us, He expects His Word to manifest in our lives. So His expectation is towards the power of His Spirit that is in us, and not towards us in our human ability. Now, you need to go and get this in the archive and listen to this again, but I will repeat it. God's expectation is not towards you as a human to say, out of my human ability, I'm going to do things for God. God's expectation is towards His Spirit that is inside us. And He knows and He can expect His Spirit to do that for His Spirit is 100% obedient to who He is, for it is the core and the very nature of God. Amen. So, we can also have that same expectation of the Spirit of God. We can expect the Spirit of God to bear fruit in us. Amen. And if we don't see the Spirit of God bearing fruit in us, then we can go and say, God, I need to hear more of your word of grace. I need to hear more of your word of your unconditional love in order to see the manifestation of the Spirit or justification in my life. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say this. Um, I had a person say to me, Bertie, you don't use scripture when you preach. Everything that I've just said, um, there's a scripture for it. And if I had to read every scripture, I could only have said what I've said up to now um, in an hour and a half. Because I would have just been reading scripture all the time. So I don't want to try and show you how clever I am by quoting this scripture and reading that scripture and all of that. All of this is in the Word of God. And if you take a little bit of effort Take Esau, go and study what I've just said. Go and just search it in, in the Bible. You'll find the scriptures for it. It's all in the Bible. Everything is there. Hallelujah. Amen. So, and I want you to go and study a bit. I would love you to go and um, say, I'm going to spend some time on Esau and I'm going to read a scripture, say Romans chapter 5 from verse 1 to 5 and just take the, um, the cursor, go over the Greek numbers and, and see what it means. Make a study for yourself. You know, I would like you to, when the five-minute Bible school is running, to slot into that so that you can study for yourself. Because when you hear what I say, you are blessed by what I say. But when you study it for yourself, it's a confirmation on what I've said. And that brings a stability in your faith. Because then you hear God saying it to you. Then it's not Bertie saying it to you. because, And I do believe that God is speaking through me. God can also talk to you. Because you might have been studying the Word of God. Now, you are hearing the same thing through me, and that is now confirmation. So, God is speaking through me. I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe, if you can hear God speak to you through the Scriptures, if you can experience that emotion of, man, I've just received a revelation from the Word of God. And I, I just saw the Scripture, and I've, God has linked this Scripture with that Scripture, and all of a sudden I start to see something more in the Scriptures. That will just bring such a joy in your heart, and you will experience relationship. 
And that's what it's all about. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we are continuing to speak on righteousness. And um, I want to read Romans 5 from verse 1. It says, therefore, now let's read chapter 4 from verse um, 21. It says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So it speaks about Abraham and that Abraham believed that God could do what he promised. And when he believed that God could do what he promised, um, then it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was imputed to him for righteousness because he believed that God could do what he promised. Now, what God promised was that the heathen, Abraham, would be the father of faith and that out of his seed, or his seed, Jesus Christ, in his seed, all the nations will be blessed. And that he said to a man who didn't even have children. So, he believed that God could bless a heathen man. A man, listen to this. Remember, when Abraham, when the promise was made to Abraham, he was not called Abraham, he was Abram. And he was worshipping other gods. And God came to such a man and made a promise to him. And then Abram believed God. He believed that the, the person who he was could be blessed by God. That's what he believed. And he believed that God could fulfill that promise. And then it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for our sakes only that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered, now listen to this, who was delivered for our offenses and he was raised again for our justification. Now, for us to understand the teaching today on righteousness, we need to understand the difference between righteousness and justification. Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses. So when He was delivered for our offenses, our offenses were paid for. And then we were made righteous. But He was raised for our justification. Now the Greek word for righteousness, <coughs> um, according to Thayer, the Thayer definition, is to be as one ought to be um, in works and in, in, in your being. But it actually speaks more about um, equity of character or goodness of character. It's, it's, it's more directed to your character and to who you are. So, when we believe that Jesus died for us, our sins are, are forgiven and we become righteous. Okay? But when we believe in the resurrection... When we say, when Jesus was raised from the dead by the Father, we stood up in newness of life. That is for our justification. Now, justification, according to Thayer, is the proof of righteousness. So, righteousness is standing right before God. Equity of character or a good character. But justification is the proof of that character. Amen. So, now we go to Romans. We just, um, let's read this again with that in mind. It says here, um, and being fully persuaded that he had, sorry, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. 
Now, for you to be righteous, you had to do a good work. Now, the good work in the eyes of God that will bring the righteousness of God towards you or that will say you've got equity of character is believing, having faith, being persuaded of what God says. The moment you can listen enough to what God says and you find that persuasion in your heart that you say, I'm persuaded. This is the truth. That day, God says you've done a good work. The good work was to believe. And <laughs> faith is even a gift given, given to you by God. Now, imagine how easy it is. You don't even have to produce faith by yourself. So what he's saying is, the moment you hear the Word of God, the Word of God produces faith in your heart. And the moment that faith is seen in your heart, God says, you've got equity of character, or you've got a good character. And that character, character is so good, I call it equal to the goodness of character of God. That's being righteous. Amen. Absolutely holy. And then you are now justified. Justified means you are now treated according to who you really are. Amen. If you are a president of a country, the day you become president, um, your justification is you go and live in the president's house or the house that's placed there by the state for the president. You fly in the aeroplane that is there for the president. You eat the food that a president eats. That is justification. That is treating to be treated accordingly. That is the proof of your righteousness. Amen. So, now, let's read on. It says, Now, it was not written for our sakes alone. This thing about Abraham now, it was not written for his sake alone. Sorry, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what he says there is that we are justified by faith. In other words, and I want to explain the reasoning of Paul here. He said, when we believe in Jesus, our faith is reckoned as righteousness, and when we are made righteous, we are justified or treated accordingly, and our righteousness, um, there's proof of our righteousness. In other words, we are made righteous to the point that it manifests in our lives. That's called justification. So we are justified by faith because when we believed, we've been made righteous, we believed in the resurrection of the Lord and then we stand up in newness of life and that's the manifestation of our righteousness. Hallelujah. So um, the reason why I say this is for you to understand that you are not just, this whole thing is not just a theory. Well, I'm now the righteousness of God but I'm suffering like a pig. No ways. You are made righteous and you are justified by faith. Hallelujah. And like I said um, in, the, in the five minute Bible school yesterday, we, we made, I made some recordings there. That we are made righteous by believing and we are justified by faith in our works or in our deeds. Because in James there's a place that says we are justified by works. But here in Romans it says we are justified by faith. 
So now what does it mean? I believe in James what it says is, we see our justification in our works. Because Abraham was justified when he went and wanted to slaughter his son. That means that he was made so righteous that he could live like God that was willing, that, that could even sacrifice something. That he could live like God that could sacrifice his son for God. And that was only in God willing to sacrifice his son for the salvation of man. So the character of God, the righteousness of God was manifested in Abraham. That's why justification is in our works. So, you don't have to say, well, I'm the righteousness of God and I'm going to settle. I'm just the righteousness of God, but I'm never going to have victory in certain areas of my life. I've been made righteous by God concerning my money, but I'm going to die poor. Man, that's not true. That's foolishness. In our works, in our life, you'll see the justification that has come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Never think that your justification is by your works. No, it will be seen in your works. Because of, not your effort, but because of, according to verse 25, the resurrection of the Lord. He was raised again for our justification. Amen. Hallelujah. So when Jesus was raised, and when you are in Christ, through the power of His resurrection, you are justified. In other words, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the force that works in you to bring forth the manifestation of your righteousness. Man, that is powerful. In other words, let's take this to finances, for instance. The power that works in you to see you prosperous financially is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's called this most excellent power. Or it's called the glory of God. It's called the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, the very being of God, the power that could take Jesus from death and place Him in life, called the glory of God. It's, the Bible says Jesus was raised by the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. And it also says Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit. It's called the resurrection power, His most excellent power, the glory of God. That is the force that works in us. It says in Ephesians the same thing, that He he works according to His mighty power which is working in us. So the power that is bringing forth justification is the power of God. It is His resurrection power. Let me explain it this way. The moment a man becomes president, the power that makes him and that brings forth the benefits of being a president, is the power of the state. It's the most powerful power of that country. And anything that would try to stop it, would be against the country. In other words, if somebody says, no ways, this president must walk, he's not allowed to drive or to fly in the plane that has been put there by the government for him to fly in. You're going to have a problem with a defense force because they're going to remove you. Because the force of that country is what will be used in order to see that all the benefits will, can be used by the president if he wants to. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you the power, that, the power of heaven is working in you for your justification which is the proof of your righteousness. Hallelujah. We've been made righteous 
by Jesus. <clears throat> We've been made righteous the moment we believe. The moment we believe, God said, this person is showing forth the very character of God. I'm not righteous just because um, there's nothing good in me. The Word produced something that's equal to the character of God in me. And then the moment I believed, then God said, I can take the righteous, my righteousness, everything that's in me, and give it to Him because He is believing. He's got faith. Hallelujah. And faith is a gift of God. It's not of yourself. Amen. I hope this is not too complicated for you to understand. Sometimes I preach and I just I say, man, uh, how do you explain the depth of this thing? It is, it's sometimes, and then you try and you think, maybe I'm missing it, maybe. But I know you're getting this. Boy, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Right. Let's go into, um, let's, let's just have a look at what we must believe in order to be righteous before God. In order for our faith to be seen as righteous. Or as righteousness, in order for the righteousness of God, the very um, equity of God, the goodness of character of God to be imputed to us, to say actually that, you know, this person's got the same character as God. Hallelujah. Let's see what we must believe. We're reading from Romans 4 verse 1. What shall we say then? What shall we say then that Abram our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found... So what he's saying here is that Abram our father received what he received because he was of the right tribe or because of he was obeying laws and rules and regulations. For if Abram were justified by works, he has wherefore to glory, but not before God. So if Abram could come here today and he could say, you know, I've received this by my works, um, then the Bible says he, he could glory because maybe he's done good things, but not before God. For God's perspective was not what He's done for God. God's perspective is verse 3. For what says the scripture? Abram believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, and we can take this to today's life as well. There are many people today that are blessed in areas of life. And let's use finances again. Um, they are blessed because they say, I've tithed and I've been sowing and reaping and all of that. And they say, I've done this and I've found... A, a, um, as pertaining to my works, I found. Maybe they have found, but not from the perspective of God. God's perspective was not that they are blessed because of what they've done. God's perspective is, maybe they've believed in me in a certain area, and that's why I've blessed them. They just deceived, and think that it was the good things they've done that blessed them. It was not the good things they've done. It was the goodness of God. And this is, the, this is what he says here. If Abraham wanted to boast, he couldn't boast before God, because God says, I've blessed you because you've simply believed in me. Okay, verse 4. Now to him that worketh, it is, um, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies, now, remember our definition of justify. Justification is the proof of righteousness that justifies the ungodly. Man, that is powerful. In other words, that manifests the righteousness of the ungodly. Now, it seems as if those words can't go together. But he that believes that God will manifest the righteousness of the ungodly. His faith is reckoned for righteousness. In other words, if you can come to a place where you say, 
Maybe I'm an ungodly man today in my works. I'm ungodly. But I believe that Jesus died for me and through what He's done for me, I'm seen as righteous in the eyes of God and I truly am righteous before God. And even if I am ungodly today in my works, I believe in a God that even if I'm ungodly will manifest my righteousness. In my life, I will see the manifestation of righteousness called justification. Man, isn't that awesome? That is, like Prophet T.B. Joshua says, too lofty for a carnal mind. <laughs> if you've got a law-based mind, your, your head will just go, zoing, zoing, zoing. Something's wrong. This is too much for me. But I want to read it again because it makes me happy. But to you that works not, worketh not, but believes on Him, that justifies the ungodly. In other words, what is, what is one of God's um, attributes, one of His character traits? It's to justify ungodly people. Man, that is powerful. And you know what? You can't tear that piece out of the Bible. And I'm going to read it again. But to Him, and you know what? When I read this, I know Satan hates it. <laughs> so, well, let him just have more. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. That means, if you don't do good things, you can still be declared as righteous. Even if you don't do good things. Now, let me just read this again. Verse... Um, Verse 6, even as David also described the blessedness of a man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Peace in Romans chapter 4. It says here in verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So in other words, the person that believes that God justifies the ungodly. In other words, the person that believes that God will take, uh, will manifest the righteousness, will manifest His righteousness in the life of an ungodly person. The person who can believe that, his faith is reckoned for righteousness. Because if you don't believe that, how will God manifest? If you say, no, God cannot make, call a sinner righteous. I mean, how will you ever be called righteous? If you say, because then you believe it's by your works. You believe it's by your works. So, I want you to know that righteousness is imputed to you. And this is what David said. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That means it is a sinner. It doesn't mean he has stopped his sins and because he doesn't sin now, because he's repented of all his sins, therefore he's seen as righteous. No, no. What this says is, blessed is the man who is a sinner whose sins is not imputed to him. That's it. Repentance is not stopping your sins. 
Repentance is believing on Jesus and then stopping your sins is a fruit of God living in you. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? That is truly what, what the Word of God says. Now, let me read that again because as you read this and as you hear this again and again and again, you will see uh, um, this thing and you will start to have the revelation of this thing. It says here, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, that is not talking to a man that's righteous. Because if you're a righteous man and God imputes sin to you, without, with you being a righteous man, you are called the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Because He was a righteous man and sin was imputed to Him. Without Him committing sin. This is talking to sinners. It says, and let me read again from verse 5, But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, what is justification of the ungodly? Justification of the ungodly is the following. It is just as David also described, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. That means you are made righteous without doing good things. You've been made righteous without doing one good thing except believing. That means a man who steals can be called righteous. Now, you know, sometimes you should not use examples because then, you know, it's just too much for people's minds. That means somebody who, who, who might lie or somebody that might have a bad thought or curse or swear or something like that can be called righteous. Let's read it again. Because it's imputed without works. That means, it's, and works, according to Romans, speaks about the works of the law. Doing good things. It can be imputed without obeying the Ten Commandments. Now, imagine that. That is something, man. Now, it says, imputed righteousness without works, saying, and this is what it means uh, um, to impute righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Come this blessings upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Because you see, uh, verse 9 and 10 is very important in the Bible because, um, because this scripture is actually explaining what's happening in churches today all over the world. Because people want to mix the law with righteousness. Because they say, no, no, Abraham believed God, but remember, he was circumcised. Uh, he obeyed a commandment, you know, unto the, he obeyed a commandment. Now I want to say this, you know, the law, and just by the way, the law was only given um, to Moses, the law of Moses. The ministration of death was written and engraved on stones. But, a part of that ministration was already given to Abraham. Because, God said to Abraham to be circumcised and he didn't want to do it and then God wanted to kill him. Isn't that a ministration of death as well? Isn't that a law that you must obey and if you don't obey it, you're going to die? Of course. Okay, so. Right. What he says here in verse, listen to this, comes this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say 
that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was circumcised or in his uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness of the faith. So, Abraham didn't first circumcise himself. He wasn't first circumcised, first did something right, and then God says, now you've done something right, now I can call you righteous. No. God spoke to a heathen man that was believing in false gods and worshipping idols. He made a promise to him. And let me tell you, when he made a promise to him, that promise was going to come true. He promised it to a sinner. Then that sinner believed God, and then it was accounted to him for righteousness before he even was circumcised or obeyed a law or has done anything good. He just simply believed. So if you can come today and simply believe that you are made righteous by what Jesus done, you are perfectly blessed in everything that God has done, that day you are You've got equity of character and God's equity of character and you are before God as you ought to be in the same standing as Jesus Christ Himself. Hallelujah! Isn't that awesome? That is the power of God. That is the goodness of God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want to just end off by using one example and next Sunday we will... um, We will look into more examples. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Okay. He says, And he spoke this parable unto certain unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. What that means is, they trusted that because of their good works and because of their own ability and what they do for God by obeying the law, they are righteous before God and then despised other people that couldn't live up to the standard that they had. And I've seen that in the church too many times today. Okay, verse 10, it says, This is the parable Jesus spoke. He says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Publican is a tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now look at um, and just for, for you, if you think that tithing wasn't something you had to do to be righteous before God, this is what it says here, it was part of the law. He said that one of the things I do to be righteous was I fast and I tithe. Okay, right, so he, the, 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 the people that were really studying the law knew that that was a thing that you had to do by the law to stand righteous before God. So it was part of the law. It says, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up as much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So he didn't say, I repent of my sins, be merciful to me. No, no, he said, I am a sinner. Just treat me better than what I deserve. So what, what type of faith did he have? 
He believed in a God. He came to the temple believing that there is a God that by his own righteousness he cannot even look at God. He's a sinner. But he believed in a God that can justify sinners. Now, um, mercy means to treat you better than what you deserve. In other words, to bless somebody that deserves to be cursed. So what he was saying was, God can justify me. God can bless me. Give me the same treatment as a righteous man. That was the type of faith he had. Now, I don't think he came cognitively saying, well, I've got this type of faith now. We're just looking at the type of faith that was in his heart. He believed that God was good. And he rested in the goodness of God. And this is what he says. I t- uh, um, and I want to just read again verse 12, uh, verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up as much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. This is what Jesus said. He went down justified. In other words, made righteous and the manifestation of righteousness evident in his life. Hallelujah! Rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Isn't that awesome? So if you come with your own faith righteousness by my works, guess what? You are not righteous before God with your own works. You, it is, according to Scripture, there is no salvation that way. The only way for salvation is to say, I believe in a God that justifies the ungodly. Hallelujah. Maybe you've got sickness in your body today. Maybe you've got worries and troubles. Maybe you've got things that you say, God, I don't know how I'll ever get rid of this. But I believe that God is a God that justifies the ungodly. Maybe you deserve by your works to be sick. Don't believe in a God that says, well, if you repent of this and say and promise really that you're going to stop it, then He's going to heal you. No, no. Believe in a God that says, believe that God is so good that He can heal you today the way you are. And that faith will be reckoned as righteousness and you will see your justification, which is the manifestation or the proof of your righteousness. Hallelujah. Let us pray together. And after I've prayed, we're going to go over to the worship song um, that we're going to end off with and just remember that we've got a cell group meeting just after this. Father, I thank you that we could come today and that we could listen to this awesome word of righteousness. Truly, this has blessed me. It's just given me so much peace of mind again. It gives me that rest in my heart. I pray for every person that's listening to Web Church today. I speak the life of God over you. I speak the righteousness of God over you. I say you are the healed. You are the blessed. You are the prosperous. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I speak rest over everybody that has listened to my voice today. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Amen. I believe and trust that you have been blessed by this. Uh, I, would, I would like to invite you to join us in our cell group afterwards. Just follow the instructions that's on this page. Um, and we talk to each other via Skype. If you've been blessed by this, just write us an email. We would like to hear from you. God bless you and just enjoy the song.